0: Hey everyone, welcome to Talking Yang. My name is Chris Rodriguez. I'm going to be joined by my uncle, Lucas Skiba, and we're just going to discuss Andrew Yang, the recent presidential candidate who has gained some steam, mostly by touting his plan to give every American $1,000 a month as part of his freedom dividend policy. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just going to discuss our background, what drew us to Yang, and do we see this campaign going anywhere? Hey Luke, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell us why you're interested in Andrew Yang?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, you got to get a little bit of my background first. So I I grew up in Wisconsin, eastern Wisconsin, kind of a, a medium-sized city. It wasn't a little town or anything like that, but it wasn't a bustling metropolis. <laughs> but uh, I grew up there and obviously I had very conservative leanings, as is kind of the popular opinion out in eastern Wisconsin. We didn't have a lot of cultural diversity where I grew up at the time. You know, it was the, uh, the late 80s and 90s kind of when I was coming of age, so to speak. Um, and uh, I don't think there was four black kids in my school. And we probably had a school of uh, about 450 to 600 people. Um, 600 students. So it wasn't a very small school, but there wasn't a lot of diversity. Um, and growing up, I was a good student. Um, I was always kind of entrepreneurial. So I did a lot of, uh, you know, I started out the normal kid thing with a lemonade stand and things like that. And, and, uh, you know, selling, soda and stuff at my mom's rummage sales. Um, and then I, I started my first job when I was 11 with paper routes and I really have never been unemployed since then. Um, but I really got bored. Uh, I didn't really have anything that was interesting to me out in Wisconsin. Uh, I didn't see people really going anywhere. So when I was 20 years old, I packed up everything I owned, uh, put it in my car. I had about $500 to my name and I moved to Seattle. Um, I had a, an opportunity out there to work for a company that I worked for in Wisconsin for a couple of summers and things like that. Um, and it worked out well for me and started my own business. I had a transportation company in Seattle. I started when I was 21 years old. Um, and that's kind of what where I started to come of age politically. Uh, before I went out to Seattle, I really didn't have any liberal influences or, you know, any experience with people from other backgrounds other than people that kind of grew up where I, where I grew up. Um, and as I learned, as I lived in Seattle and met a lot of people, there are a lot of, uh, transplants there. So not very many people in Seattle that kind of grew up there, but a lot of people that came in from overseas and all over the country and really sort of expanded my horizons. Um, as I grew up, uh, I ended up leaving my business because I got burnt out on it and I worked for another company. And, uh, right now I'm a director of logistics for a design company and two places that I really focus are automation and efficiency. Um, and that's what sort of drew me to Yang initially. Uh, I ran across him in an interview he did. Um, I don't remember exactly where it was and I thought, you know what? This guy's interesting, but come on, you can't just like give a bunch of people money. And he sounded like this super young guy coming out of college. Yeah, you're
0: referring to you're referring to his universal basic income. Yeah, yeah, his UBI, the yeah.
1: freedom dividend. And uh, when I heard about it, I thought it was kind of crazy. And I thought, you know, this was more of um, attention-seeking than anything, he just seemed like this really young guy. I was like, Oh, you know, here's something I'm, I'm, you know, excited about, and I'm going to share it with people, and it's going to get me on podcasts and interviews, you know? And I didn't really think anything of it. And then I was listening to Freakonomics a while after that, a few months, and this was a more long form interview with him, and he really delved deep into why. Uh he wanted to put out the freedom dividend, you know, a thousand dollars a month for every American citizen over 18. Um and Which still sounds pretty crazy when you say that well. <laughs> It does. Um, but it really resonated with me. Uh in my own experience, you know, I focus a lot on automation efficiency. Um I've worked for a company that's grown substantially, but we've used a lot of machinery and efficiency. I mean, those are very broad terms, but there's very specific reasons um, to grow the business without adding, you know, similar staff or proportional staff to what we were at the time. And that was something that I thought, you know, if we're, we're basically eliminating jobs by not adding them as we grow. And if that continues, and I don't see any reason it wouldn't, um, this is going to be a, a serious problem. And at the same time, um, you know, I, I worked in downtown Seattle and, uh, I was in my twenties and in, uh, in Jack in the box, which is one of the popular fast food chains out there. Uh, they started putting in those, um, those robot cashiers sort of machine cashiers. So you don't have to see anyone at the counter. And first time I went up to one, I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like, how am I going to know where to find things, blah, blah, blah. And then it took me like 30 seconds to put in my order, and I didn't have to interact with anybody, which was kind of nice because, no offense, Jack in the Box workers, you're not the most fun people to interact with. And Maybe
0: maybe they would be if they had $1,000 a month. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they might be more delightful. (laughs) So... So that was where I was like, wow, you know, if this is the case, like, what is the whole point of all these jobs? You know, we started getting those the Walmart checkouts and like, it just, it felt to me like we had a lot of people working in these jobs with their wheels spinning and it just felt like a lot of wasted human potential.
0: Yeah. And they probably feel that way as well. A lot of people just stuck in jobs
1: yeah I mean, I can't imagine that they wouldn't <laughs> because you know can you imagine if you were a cashier standing next to a self checkout or or you're the guy taking the orders at the jack in the box standing next to the the machine that's taken six orders in the time that you took one yeah I mean and it just seems like such a such a waste you know you put that machine there maybe it maybe it costs the half a year salary for some person Um, but it continues on for years and years and years and then that person loses a job and where does all that where does all that gain go
0: yeah so what you saw is the problem and you heard and Andrew Yang's kind of solution to that which is universal basic income which he calls the freedom dividend um, was kind of a solution to a problem that you're seeing and directly seeing in your job yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, I, I work in a in an industry, um, you know, we're in the design industry, but we, we build a lot of products. And, you know, we're constantly adding new machines that become available for those products. And when you do that, you displace a lot of labor. And it's not, you know, it's not a malicious thing. It's just the natural kind of progression. And you know, the way I see it, the way I've always saw, saw it was, you know, if you look far into the future, there's going to be a point where we have machines capable of, you know, operating at a human level of efficiency or better.
0: That's the thing. Yeah. It's the natural progression, but it's also the goal and it's not, and like, it's probably a good thing that that's the goal you know we we should be moving towards doing less work
1: absolutely i'm sure
0: that, I'm sure that goes against everything you learned in eastern wisconsin and
1: <laughs> i mean that that's it you know i mean i grew up my dad was a contractor and you know it was always you know work hard you know and uh there's the value in a day's hard work which i totally agree with still like 100% there is a lot of value in hard work and doing a good job and you know but
0: there's going to be less and less value in it as you become less efficient than
1: automation exactly we need to find new meaning yeah and that's what really resonated with me and for me from yang is you know he's he's looking at this human centered kind of capitalism where as we find these new opportunities and efficiencies how do we make sure that we're all able to take advantage of those benefits, and we're not. I mean, for me, it all boils down to: are are we not wasting human lifetimes? You know, are we are we putting people in position like? I, the first thing that struck me is when I when I moved to Washington State. I went to I drove down to Portland, and I went to gas station. And in Portland, they have gas station attendants that are compelled to pump your gas. You're not allowed to pump yeah, your own gas. state law. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. Like, I can pump my own gas. Why are you doing this job? That's pretty much
0: where like, we are with cashiers right now. You know, <laughs> they, they have these self-checkouts. Okay, this, we can definitely do it this way, but we still have a bunch of people over here employed to do it for why.
1: It's a net waste of human potential. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not for a reason. Like yeah. that that person that's pumping the gas isn't performing anything of value to no. to that transaction. So no. that money that's being paid to that person could I mean could hypothetically still be paid to that person and totally eliminate even the if job. they weren't doing the job, yep. <laughs> and there yeah. is a lot of that. And
0: that's kind of the basis of Andrew Yang's universal basic income which is obviously the policy that's made him popular. Um, But he has a lot of great policies, which I'm sure we can get into later. If there's anything that gives you some misgivings about where he is or doubts um, what he can do,
1: is there anything like that for you? Well, I mean, with regard to UBI, there's always the uh, ability to implement it. Um, But I'm a very... uh, I am a very uh, democratic thinking person where if there is something that the populace rallies around, we're going to be able to get it done. Hmm. Like it it might not happen in a first term, you know, it might take some time to, um, put the people in place that we need for the democratic process to, to carry out. And it could
0: end up looking a lot different than, than what he's proposing right now. Yeah.
1: It could look a lot different. Um, but i mean the on the other hand is you know if i mean i worked in the trucking business too and there's a lot of i saw actually a lot of people that when they have health issues or you know something something comes up and they need to like divorce is huge among truckers um a lot of it is cuz they're gone for extended periods of time but then they're unable to leave that line of work because Mm -hmm. they don't have applicable skills elsewhere. Yeah. And they just, I've seen so many guys spiral out of control and I have, I have uh, a few personal friends um, that committed suicide when they started having health issues or, you know, trucking really just kind of destroyed their relationships and they didn't really know where to go. You know, it's, it's not something that you can just, you know, uh, you can't learn to code so to speak, but, um, that's something that just really scares me is what happens like, yeah, UBI might take a while to implement, but what happens if in the next couple of years, one of these industries just gets totally uprooted, like there is going to be serious problems and we're going to have to take some kind of dramatic steps. Like UBI yeah. to, to yeah. affect it, you know, to keep from some kind of unrest. Yeah. Um,
0: so he appealed to you because uh, a lot of the reasons that you mentioned and what you're seeing uh, firsthand, who do you think he appeals to um, in the general public? What kind of candidate is he? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Trump came in and obviously appealed to a very specific group of people. And Andrew Yang would have to have kind of the shocking um, uh, win that Donald Trump did if he was going to ever get the nomination, kind of by appealing to a very specific group. And Bernie Sanders kind of did that as well. Do you think that Yang has that same kind of appeal or is he more of a broader reach
1: candidate? So, um... So yang definitely has broader appeal, like if this were uh a winner take all um all the Republicans love donald trump uh he wouldn't have a chance yeah there's there's not no chance um but he he uh <laughs> he he appeals to a much wider audience for a couple of reasons, which is what uh, attracted me to him is He's very data driven and he's focused on not um not identity politics. Mm-hmm. So like he doesn't really care if people um disagree on certain topics and things like that. It's more about um are we all working together to to better the human condition? And everyone gets around that and he has a lot of very data focused policies that get us there, that people can understand. So the the type of people that really appeal to him are the, you know, first off the downtrodden, the people that are going to get impacted by AI and automation that are losing their jobs. Cause I mean, they're not going overseas, they're going away. And, and then thinkers, you know, people that are willing to dig into the data and understand why these policies um, Those are the types of pe- very
0: few people.
1: And that's the problem. Yeah. You know, the average yeah. voter isn't interested in digging deep. They don't have They're the They're a little more
0: interested in the cool soundbite from yeah. a debate.
1: They don't have the yeah. time. I mean, people don't yeah. have the time to sit around and listen to a three-hour podcast, you know. Yeah. And it, it's difficult to get that across to people. But there's uh, a... <laughs> and the older listeners will know what I'm talking about. Not that old, but... Um, when I was young, uh, you know, I was in my, my, uh, or my, uh, my late single digits (laughs) and my teens, uh, when Ross Perot was running for president and he ran as an independent in the, what was called the reform party at the time. And he ran against, uh, president Bush and president and future president Bill Clinton. And, You know, they were saying the same things about him. He doesn't have a chance. He's crazy. You know, he was he was putting out all these really crazy policies about how NAFTA is terrible and you know the debt and all kinds of things. A lot of stuff that Andrew talks about. And the only reason he broke through was because he put he had the resources and he put his money where his mouth was. And it wasn't the internet age. You know, he took out he took out his own infomercials and he brought all the data he had for why he thought what he thought. And he put it out there in charts in ways that people could understand and visualize. And he was actually leading Clinton and Bush, um, for a significant period until he dropped out mostly because of politics. You know, he didn't like the mudslinging. Um, he, he just, he basically kind of crumbled under that pressure and then by the time he came back, it was too late and he couldn't couldn't gather his wits again. Um, yeah. But Yang reminds me of that because Perot wasn't a, appealing just to Republicans. Like, he wasn't stealing votes from Bush or stealing votes from Clinton. He was stealing – he wasn't stealing anything. He was appealing to Americans.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, people talk all the time about stealing votes from a candidate, but really almost nobody votes – so there's not you're not st- if you can capture the people that don't vote, then you have a great chance. But since so few people vote, it you don't there's plenty of votes to go around. You don't need to take Bernie or or and Harris's see, voters.
1: That's where I think that's part of the reason I think Trump won is because he captured the people that probably that wouldn't vote. have turned out. Yeah. Yeah and i think yang has a lot of that same potential because you know if you look at all the candidates you know trump included uh, you know trump really hasn't done much that uh, another republican would have done other than other than a lot of maybe uncomfortable things like the north korea yeah. visits and just uh
0: just he passed a big tax plan that republicans yeah that, tried i mean to pass republicans would have time.
1: done that too though if they had a chance you know what well, I mean? I think they yeah, would have. But like they, Bush did. they didn't. Yeah. Bush passed yeah. a huge tax plan and the biggest yeah. rebate there ever was. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I don't know that much would have changed. I mean, the only thing is he's, you know, Trump's more bombastic and he, he puts things out there that other Republicans would, you know, put through that political filter. Um, so that's like his bit, His appeal is it feels like, you know, he's open about things to people. Um, but he appealed to people because he spoke to these things that were happening, like, you know, the carrier um, plants that were closing, GM and right. Ford sending, sending people. Um, well, sp- they think they're sending jobs overseas, but honestly, they're actually sending manufacturing somewhere else that's mostly machines and not a lot of labor employment. Um, so, but I think Yang has the same appeal because no one's turning out for the stuff all the normal Democrats in the field are pushing. Like, yeah, everybody's pushing the same 90 percent, you know, and then there's Yang and he's only like 60 percent with them.
0: Yeah, it does seem like everyone's just trying to kind of out left each other, everyone else in the in the Democratic Party. Uh, but I want to get to this before we get too far. I mean, we're into July and he's pulling it around 2% nationally. Um, it, it, he's pulling... I think he's got like a 5% in Maine, maybe. Was it was mm-hmm. it Maine or was it Vermont, somewhere up there? Yeah, he's 5% um, in Maine. I don't think he can crack 5% of Vermont with Bernie. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, so he's pulling... I mean, he's averaging, what, 2 to 3%. He's qualified for the next debates, provided he stays around this for the polls. Um, I mean is he kind of late does he need to make a move now
1: well so i think about this a couple ways um between now and so the july debates he's in um and then the next debate after that right is september is that correct Yeah, it's July and then September, I think. I can pull it up. So, between July and September, and this is what normally happens, a lot of candidates drop out money is mostly it. Yeah. You know, so I would expect the field to thin to at least 15 at the most by that point. And I think at that point, a lot of the support for the more, um, you know, fringe candidates, we'll call them, uh, is going to go to Yang. I don't think there's any problem that he's going to bust that 2%. If they know about him, though. You know they what? will. They will by that point. Because he pushes himself to do so much media. Um, yeah. Like, like that's what Trump did. Like, that's why it worked for Trump. Like, media wasn't reaching out to Trump, but he was, He's he's that guy that's, you know, he sleeps two hours a day. You know, Mm -hmm. and he's just out there and Yang does the same thing. So I don't think it's going to be a problem getting him 2%. Um, and the other thing is, you know, Yang supporters, in my opinion, just at least my experience and from what I've, you know, watched and just ran into are a lot more vocal in person, whereas other supporters look for, look for other people supporting their candidates. Yang yeah, supporters look for people to talk to about their candidate and they're not and looking I'm sure for other Democrats and they're not. Looking
0: and for- anecdotally, I think both of us would say we've never been excited about a candidate before. No, uh, from either side. I've never I mean, when I in the past, when I've looked at presidential rallies for candidates out, it's like, what are these morons doing out there? I have like a bunch of idiots. And so now I think I would totally go to one of those. Yeah, rallies for Yang. I mean, he, he's just really flipped some people that would have never voted before, and it's caused me to talk to people about a candidate when I would have never done that in the past. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, true for, for me too, too. Like,
1: I I recently moved to New York State. Um, well, more than a year ago, but I've been an independent, registered independent, or not registered, depending on the state I'm in, um, and. I was registered Republican years ago in Washington state. um, But this is the first time I've ever registered Democrat. And the only reason I did is because it's the only way I can vote for Yang in the primary Mm. here. And there's, there's quite a few States like that um, with closed primaries. So, and I've heard that story from so many people. So what's What's happening is like these people that are registered Republicans, or independents are bothering to register as Democrats just for that opportunity to vote for Yang. Um, that's a pretty. And I would have
0: never done that with another candidate. Like I would <laughs> rather be blown up by Kim Jong-un than go through the process of yeah. trying to register. To
1: vote. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, you know, I, I was close to that for Bernie last time around. Like he, he had me on the fence of voting for him. Uh, and honestly, if he would have been the DNC's candidate, I may have. Um, I can't say that for sure. Um, I, I may have voted for him. I mean, I didn't vote for Trump. I'll be honest. I didn't vote for Trump. I voted third party. Uh, I just, <laughs> I couldn't vote for Clinton and I, I just really couldn't vote for Trump. But my, I, I had to vote my conscience and I knew, you know, whatever was going to happen, I was okay with. And, You know, I was hoping Trump would win if it wasn't my third party candidate, which I knew it wasn't going to be just because I think that's how
0: hated Hillary was.
1: She's just she wasn't going to do anything new. Yeah. And I think we need someone to shock the system like we wouldn't be in this position right now if nobody did that.
0: Yeah. And that might have opened the door for a guy like Andrew Yang.
1: That's exactly it. And so the what I was going to say about the polls. Um, is for me, I think what Andrew Yang really needs to do before the September debates is if he can break 5%, I think he can break out because yeah. I think that's a psychological threshold. You know, like anytime you're in the below 5%, it's like, a eh, margin of error. You know what I mean, right? And
0: people are also kind of like, eh, I don't know, your guy is polling below three percent. I don't know if that's someone I want to support, especially if they're like, I- I'll support anyone who will beat Donald Trump. And you're trying to tell them to vote for someone who's
1: polling under five percent is going to be a tough sell. And I mean, that's the whole, I mean, that's the whole sell that I don't think people are coming around to easily. Is I, I mean, we're in this, this is my biggest, you know, concern about the political climate right now is it's so polarized. Like, and if you don't fully subscribe to one or the other, you are right. well, left out.
0: And even though you're not gonna have very many most of America, I don't think, is super far left or super far right. No. But those are the ones that go out and vote. So no, even if you're not necessarily to a ton of I think it's just that those are the ones that go out and tweet. You know They're the ones that go out and vote. They definitely are.
1: And I mean they do it's, vote, but they also, um they're they're also not as not the most significant part of the electorate. I think they're they're probably a good twenty to twenty five percent of them. I remember that uh freakonomics
0: podcast we listened to where they were talking about how important it is for you to appeal to that really fringe side mm-hmm. um of the of the populace because not only is that how you get your donations, but that's, those are the ones that
1: vote for you. I think it's because those are the ones that influence other people to vote. Cause I don't think most people think like that. So, you know, I think that those, so those are the people that, that get coverage, you know, and the, yeah. the people that don't think that way, but are, you know, in those party groups are influenced by them. So, you know, for example, like with Yang, he uh, he he doesn't necessarily appeal to those fringes very well, but that middle 70, 80 percent, he absolutely appeals to. The thing is, can he garner enough of their attention to, you know, counterbalance the influence of those fringes? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I just lost you. Oh. I I lost you for a while. I'm back, but okay. I lost you and you were still talking when I came back, so we're good. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> so So I mean, I think I think, you know, for Yang, it's more of a waiting it out and then for how he how he pitches his appeal to Democrats to win that primary is he needs to make it abundantly clear that they're going to win not by procuring Democrat voters, but by procuring the voters that are on the fence for Trump, or are yeah. going to vote Trump if it's Biden, or they're going to vote Trump if it's Sand, or they're going to vote Trump. Do you think if it's- that?
0: I mean, have you ever seen a candidate? I guess Ross Perot would be the closest one, but that where the supporters were super passionate about how reasonable their candidate was. Never. Yeah, I mean Perot was the closest. That's what we're dealing with with Andrew Yang,
1: and I mean that's that's what appeals, though. I mean that's what that's what like that's. It obviously
0: hasn't though.
1: Mm, It has. The thing is like, well, I mean it it is with Yang. It did with Perot, um, but it is with Yang. I think it's just going to take time because, like, right now we're. Like, it's a 2020 election. Most people just are not even paying attention.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but the problem is you need... Yeah, you kind of need people to know who you are before they're paying attention. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why everyone that's polling right now is people that everyone's already heard of.
1: Yeah, I mean, even... I mean, who's who's polling right now well that nobody's heard of other than, like, Buttigieg? I yeah. mean, and even even then, I mean, I I I don't know. It just feels like he's getting propped up way too much. I, <laughs> I wonder why. I mean, because it's not policy yet. Like policy is yeah. not going to happen. But will at, it ever? It will. When I think it will towards the end of the primary season, but you know, that's almost too late. I don't know. I'm not sure how Yang is going to break through the pack. Yeah. I just
0: don't know that there's ever been an example of a candidate where his supporters were like, holy shit, do you see how awesome this guy's policies are? And then people get really fired up from that. I mean, I'll be
1: honest. I've never, uh, I've never talked to people about candidates like I have um, Andrew yeah. Yang. Like, I, spoke I know, to, and I, spoke I, to my doctor I feel the about same Yang. way as you.
0: Is it enough people, though? <laughs>
1: You know, I mean, maybe I think we'll only see, like, I don't, I don't put much stock in anything be- between now and like the July debate. And even like through, through like middle of September, I'm not sure. Yeah. If the only reason
0: you need to put any stock in it is because he needs to qualify for the debates. I mean, that obviously has to, where he's done. Uh, I'm looking and he's got, so the, there's the July debates on the 30th and 31st, then September 12th and 13th is the next debate. And I see he only has to have be pulling 2% in September in three qualifying polls or have at least 130,000 donations. So if that's really an or, then no, it,
1: No, it's both. It's not or.
0: Yeah, I just wonder why the official site says or provide Where, evidence of at least... What site is that? I can send you the link to it.
1: 'cause I know they changed it, hmm, in like recently, yeah, I think it was like the last two or three weeks um okay. I don't
0: see a date on this, but this is like looks pretty official. <laughs> I see the... Yeah, I think it's pretty recent. And if you if you scroll down to the September one, do you get that link? Did you email it to me? No, I sent it on the... Oh, the duh. Hangout.
1: <laughs> First time computering? No, I was just Googling it myself.
0: Yeah, so... See that September one where it yeah, says. How, how new
1: is this though?
0: I don't know. Cause That's I know the they, F8. they made
1: some changes after like, they're like, Oh, there's going to be 5,000 people on the race. Yeah. <laughs> remember when the, remember when that happened with the Republicans and they're like, Oh my God, there's so many people. There's like 15. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, have they ever done two debate nights? I don't know. I don't remember that ever. Well, happening. I think they had the they had the uh, the Republican ones had like a, a primary debate and then like a secondary debate and it was all like divided up by polling. It was really oh. weird. Let's see here. Third debate have a candidate will ne- either have to have or provide evidence. Hmm.
0: But I, I think Yang tweeted something today that seemed. To yeah, he made it sound that. like you
1: needed the 2%. Yeah. Which I think you do. I wonder I do if too. the ABC News debate um, site has anything about it. Let's see here. Third Democratic debate details new qualification threshold So rather than 1% he
0: he tweeted today now we've cleared 130,000 donors and the only hurdle an left and, is to get the 2%. Yep, there's it says an, and, and, and the most recent one.
1: Yeah, so on ABC's site it says rather than the 1% tr- polling threshold the new qualification will require at least 2% polling support and 130,000 unique donors. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I don't think that's gonna be a problem for him. Uh between now and then Well he's not gonna drop in the polls, so Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. Like that's Yang's supporters is they they're sticky. Like they're yeah, not going and plus, anywhere.
0: Yang isn't gonna do anything to cause himself to drop in the polls. No, you know, like there's probably not gonna be some own from Joe Biden that is gonna make Yang <laughs> fall in the polls. Yeah, no. <laughs> Andrew Yang gets owned by Joe Biden's facts and logic.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. And he, he has all of his policy out there, and he seems to have it all down. Like Yeah, like he Tom seems Cruise. to know what's on his site. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, kind of unusual. I mean, his polling is only going to grow, especially as people drop out. Like I think people are going to be dropping out and going to Yang. And so I think he meets the 2%, which... But I don't think that's enough. Like I think he needs that five to be well, seen. Well,
0: if he he can get that five from the debates, though, you know, if he makes the debates at two percent, in the July easily days. see him. Yeah, I yeah. can easily see him getting five out of that out of those debates.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Oh, I mean, or more because I mean, you you see a lot of these other candidates, and they get, you. You'll probably see them kind of jog back and forth over the next couple yeah. of debates. I don't think that's going to happen.
0: No, he's just going to go up if he if he goes anywhere.
1: I mean, you you hear about almost nobody leaving his camp.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'd be really weird. Um yeah, yeah, maybe they will now that they see he doesn't support Trump's uh, military display on the 4th of July.
1: <laughs> what a
0: ridiculous thing. Like, I saw some comments on his tweets. Well, that's it. I'm done now. Okay. I know for a fact that you didn't
1: know anything about it before you saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you were not you were not stumping for Yang when they called no. you for the poll. <laughs> no. That's really So, why don't we
0: do that? We'll in the coming weeks, whenever we get a chance, we'll go through and we'll talk some about what he's what he's done recently, we can go have the polls changed at all. look at some of the recent policies he's put out uh maybe play some of his recent interviews um just try to get a gauge for how his Twitter followers have changed, and just see how people are paying attention to him. see if it's changed at all,
1: yeah, I mean I and you know talk about maybe um what kind of strategic shifts might be coming. Because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I just watching his Twitter lately. Um, he's definitely, um, going more towards that broad appeal, it, which is interesting. And I mean, I think that might be a strategy for his supporters is to not, not focus on these, um, like maybe focus on, Talking Like if you're a Yang, if if you're a Yangster (laughs) and you're in one of these deep blue states, maybe you need to be talking to some Republicans in your state because those, those people know that their state isn't going to Trump and they may not know that Yang aligns with them even more than Trump does. So I think there's just going to be some interesting opportunities there because Yang just is not a uh, not a traditional candidate, and I mean the issues that we're facing are not the same issues that we had in 2000.
0: You're saying they're not the same ones that Joe Biden understands really
1: well. No, I mean, what, what kind what kind of phone did Joe Biden use in 1980? <laughs> were there phones? Like, <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> like, I mean, it's just totally different now. What that what yeah, we're dealing with? Yeah, I think. With. I just want to get to
0: this really quick, but I think you've seen kind of the same thing I have, that he's kind of had a shift um, in, I I think, since the debates. I don't want to say panic, but I think he was, he, he kind of reconsidered some of his strategy to appeal more to those in the middle. And I think it could be coming from being up there on the debate stage and seeing everyone kind of playing the same arms war to get to the top of the most left policies possible. <laughs> and it's it's just an arms race that you can't win. I mean, at some point, it's going to be, you know, where can you stop? And I think Yang's smart enough to see that. And
1: you can't and win the thinks, general that way. I don't think no, they win the general I don't that think way. you
0: can either, no. I, I mean, Bernie yeah, is probably
1: think, the only one that might have a, a prayer winning the general and just and now he's
0: got kind of such a reputation of being the most far left one up there, even if he isn't now that it could hurt him. And I think Yang sees that and he's trying mm-hmm. to get those voters that and he tweeted out some recent stuff kind of supporting a right wing journalist, um, which is a no brainer, but no other Democratic candidates have tweeted something like that. Oh. Um and he's tweeted some things that just kind of seem like he's pushing more towards those disillusioned Trump supporters. Mhm. Um, which I think we could we could debate all night about if that's a good idea, but he's he's got to do something different. Uh, yeah. And I think he's I think I think he's doing that. I like it. I think it's I think it's the right move. What do you think?
1: No, I think he's moving in the right direction and I think you know, people are going to take notice and I I mean The fact that he's not, he's not falling in line, like, we're going to see some ridiculous numbers for these debates. Like, between now and the July debates, I think a lot of people are going to be like, the fuck is this Yang guy? Like, he doesn't sound like a Democrat. Like, what is this UBI thing? Like, Yeah. Yeah. He didn't
0: have a good showing um, in the first debate. I mean, he no. had hardly any showing at all. Um, but I think he, you know, if he can come across in the same way that he comes across in sit-down one-on-one long-form interviews, which is really hard to do in thirty-second sound bites, how would you f- save the planet? You have thirty seconds. It's yeah. Really hard
1: to do. He's not Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or is he? They're the same person. <laughs> yeah. No, I. I mean. I think that's true, but I also think he needs to get on these these mainstream kind of soundbite opportunities. Um, Yeah, he might have to just
0: kind of go against his own nature and say something crazy to get some attention.
1: Well, I don't think it has to be crazy. I think he just needs to... He's good. He's good at being succinct, and if he continues that pattern and just gets in front of enough eyeballs to the... Like, all he has to do is get people interested enough to do a Google search. That's it. And, I mean, there's so much information out there and it's so easy to find yeah. that once he gets them to do that. Like, he's going on The View, I think, next yeah, week. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he's going to be interesting. He's not going to be talking about Medicare for all. and You know, like, okay, we get it. Everyone knows universal health care right. is, like, maybe not available and, in Sudan. A-
0: and everyone already, <laughs> every single Democratic candidate pretty much now agrees that that should be the should be the plan yeah so it's
1: he's got to talk about freedom dollars he's got to talk about you know or or democracy dollars
0: and that's a weird thing about yang is he i mean that ubi is easily the most i mean it's the most socialistic
1: policy that Mm -hmm. any of the cabinets have put sounding you think Socialistic sounding, like if you think about it, it it really isn't because it comes from like your your tax. It's exactly like a tax rebate. It's it's exactly like a uh, an earned income credit or something like that. But it's I understand that concept.
0: All that matters is how it sounds, at least for what I'm trying to say. So he definitely has the most socialistic sounding policy. But I think his supporters are smart enough to basically say what you just said that. Even even if they don't understand that it's not very socialistic, when they hear him talk, they think this is a guy that gets it. And even if his, his policies don't work out, you can tell he's a guy who's gonna listen to someone who knows more and adjust. You know, mm-hmm. you don't run the kind of companies that he did, um, successfully where you're helping new people make new businesses without understanding how to adjust. And I think his I think his supporters, um, even if they're pretty far right, they appreciate that about him, mm-hmm. and they're the suddenly policies that made them very angry, like universal health care. They're totally okay with just because <laughs> of the way he talks to them, you know. And well, that's all purpose. that a lot of people were looking for. Yeah,
1: you know, it's the the purpose behind these things, and right. like if that people he understood the of it. that we we have the means right now, we don't have the system. Yeah, like. We have the means for everyone to be able to have universal healthcare, and we don't have the system because, like, pharmaceuticals are just rife with you know, um, with crony capitalism, so to speak. You know, it's just like the the healthcare system is one of the most efficient inefficient things out there. It, it makes the government look efficient sometimes, and so, like, what he's saying is like, like UBI, it makes sense and it's easy. Because the government can send out checks. They're good at sending out checks. And if they don't have to, like, gauge every person in this really special way each time, they're not going to make as many mistakes, you know? And they don't have to determine, okay, you get $2,342, you get $76, you get, you know what I mean? It's just, it's universal. Like, and that's why universal healthcare works. Because- Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets the services yeah. they need, and we don't have to think about it. Oh, you're a citizen. Yeah. All right, you get health care. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And
0: I think something different from how Yang frames it is he frames it as um, how, how it's a humanity thing. Yeah. And and I think from Bernie and other Democrats, you get the feeling of like they're angry at a certain group of people, and that's why they want to in initiate this entitlement program. So like Bernie will just keep blaming really rich people and say because of this we need to I- implement these programs. You never really hear Yang say that. He just talks about how, you know, he just talks about humanity first and how there are people who really need this and then talks about the benefits of that. Yeah, he talks Instead about the system, on, you know, he talks yeah. about
1: how, you know, these tech companies are not paying taxes because we set up the system so that they don't have to. Like they're right. not, they're not like trying to get people to not have healthcare or to, you know, scrape, scrape by. It's just that that's the way the system's set up. And I mean, any business out there is going to avoid paying things they don't have to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make like even wall street. Like I know that, like Elizabeth Warren talks a lot about, you know, we got to tax Wall Street, we got to, we got to stop this on Wall Street. Yeah, we, I mean, we have to set up a system that encourages the right thing and discourages the wrong things. And right. you know, right now we just don't have that. So, yeah. but Yang doesn't. Yang makes a lot of sense with the ways he goes about it, and it's not. I mean, like I think every other candidate talks about like income tax and like oh, raising the top income tax brackets that's not gonna do anything you yeah. don't have any that's well, why well you could ask Beto taxes. about
0: it and then he can you could ask <laughs> Beto about it, and they can respond to you in Spanish
1: about voting <laughs> registration oh my god that was so ridiculous. <laughs> it sucks because I don't even know what the first half of the debates were about <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) I don't think Beto did either.
1: No, probably not. I think
0: he memorized something off Google Translate. At least at
1: least he didn't just start moshing in the middle of it. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for him to do it. That's way better.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I might have got my vote if he did that. Absolutely. Okay, hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of Talking Yang. If you did enjoy it, please like and subscribe. If you did not enjoy it, give us a bad rating and still subscribe, please. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about Andrew Yang's policies, get a little bit deeper into what separates him from the pack in this crowded democratic field. Thanks so much for listening.